see what we can cover in the uh, brief time. Let's see if the Nefesh people between the carpools and the uh, yeshiva to get here in the morning. As for a title, so we were discussing uh, decision-making process in tshuva. So the first ma'amokam uh, that came to mind is the famous Pasuk of Tehillim. Petterberger gives uh, a mushal, and the mushal over here is uh, not very far from the uh, Pasuk itself. If you have a sheep that's in a crowd of sheep, and it runs away to a different area, the sheep might not be aware that it's with a chevra it shouldn't be with. Different ages need different types of food and uh, different care, as we know from Meshra Abenu, the way he cared for sheep. And the se'oive doesn't realize necessarily that it's in the wrong pack. And we should be intelligent enough to realize that uh, we're in situations where we don't always hop, that we're not in the right place. So Davon Melech echoes this in the Pasuk, the Yisik in case we're lost and we don't realize it, Bakesh Avdecha, please look for us, please take us out, and please show us that there's a better way of doing things, there's a better place to hang around. One of the more famous uh, Rashi's in Chumash, in Parshish Bracious, brings from Chazal, when Akash Baruch Hu said, Nasa Adam Bitzalmenu, so why say Pelosh and Rabim? Nasa can give a Pesach to an Apikarius to say there, Shtei Rishuyas, more than one God created man, Asa Shalom. So we all know that Rashi says to teach us Derech Eretz, the Midav Anava that the Kashbach Kaviyachal is checking with the Malachim to teach us, even though Hashem didn't need any help, didn't get any help, but to teach us that you have to ask an objective third opinion. You have to reach out to other people who don't have the same Megiyas uh, <coughs> that you have in order to arrive at the Emmas. And the Sisa Chaim, he quotes uh, from the Alta Slobotka, explains that Alta says, you see from here that to learn Amida Teva is more important even if it's going to slip into Kfira. So obviously it doesn't mean if a person's a Kfir Baker and he doesn't believe in the Yud Gimelani Mamas, as long as he's a nice guy, he's doing well. Uh, what it means, Sisa Chaim is explaining this within the Alta's brief statement, if a person is trying to arrive at the Nakuda Sa'emes and he doesn't ask and he has too much gaiva to think that anybody else can offer an opinion that will help him, so he's going to end up being a kaifer anyway. He's not going to end up succeeding in his avodah. So it's not that learning Musr is more important than the mistake somebody might make. He quotes a medrash that says this beferish, or Moshe Rabbeinu was writing down the chumish, he got up to this pasuk, Nasa Adam B'Tzalmenu, 
And Lushan he has, Bashashi, a Mesha Kesef is a Terry, Kimi Shigil, a Pasakazer, Nasa, Adam, Amalafana, Vibena, Elam, Mata, Nason, Pislam, Pell, Aminim. Why are you giving a Pislam Pad? The Minim can make a mistake. To which Hashem answered, Amalafanov, Kashbach says, Kesayv, write it. For Raitsa Litois Yite. Upshot that somebody might make a mistake. Raitsa Litois, somebody's looking for mistakes, looking for Rayas, he's going to go for there anyway. If a person wants to know how to stay on and how to stay focused, so they need this, Midas in general, but this particular Midas of Anivas, to know that you have to ask an objective opinion and you have to be willing to follow direction and you're not always right. The trick the Yitzhahara plays that everybody knows as they're approaching the Yamadin that they're, that's from people, certain things we're good at. And there are things we're not so good at. And the Atzasayetzer, and this is brought out in this week's parasha, Nitzavim, has a way of tricking us into believing that that's okay, there are certain things, not everybody's good at everything, there are certain things I'm good at, and there are certain categories I'm not very good at, and therefore we won't focus on that. And if it's a Chorman, it's a Hidda, that's fine. If it's something maker a Din, and a person gives up completely, on that category, it's not, he or she is not—they're not working on it anymore. So at that point, it could, <laughs> a bigger kitrig and shamayim. And if you look at the targum, pasuk says after the tachach of last week's parsha, pen yeshbacha and isha isha meshbacha shevet asher levavo pena yom im hashem alakenu lechaz lavedis alahei agayim mahem. He wants to continue doing whatever he wants. This is rotten weed. So what is he going to do with Tachach? We're talking a person who's a maimon, basically. See, here's the Tachach. How's he going to, how's he going to patter himself and continue doing whatever he wants? So already you have an inkling even before the next Pasuk. This is so bad that Kosh Baruch says, even if he does something he's going to get the full debit in the account as amazed because Shagig is potter if a person who normally tries to do the right thing and once in a while he slips up. If a person is not makshiv, the category that is the problem already, then even the Shagig is the same as amazed. So already you see what's coming and Hashem says over here, and this is, sounds harsher than even a, a regular balavera, this is, Hashem wants to wipe him off the face of the earth, why is this guy worse? He heard the, uh, the people here in Lucerne, they don't always listen, so this guy heard a call, and he says, show me Yali, what's so bad? So if you look at the Targum over here, the Targum Yenison in Azil, there's two words that give the key of what the problem is and where you have to know the Yitzhahara is talking. And he hears this piskam of Misa, this tochacha. The key word here, which means the way he counteracts, he says, look, I'm a good guy. I do well in many areas of Vedas Hashem. I'm not good at this. This Lashon Hara business, this uh, Hasmada, Stalker, whatever category you feel you're not doing well, I'm good at other things. So the Yash Libe means that he had Yish from the category completely. So you would think, okay, not everybody's good at everything, so that's fine. Let him, let him focus on other things. 
Pasuk says no. Kash Baruch Hu is more kaviyacha, more angry at somebody who has this attitude. It just gives up in certain averas and certain mitzvahs. With the exemption I'm still from, yes, yayish palibe, I just uh, I haven't had success in this, and therefore I'm not going to focus on it. It's beyond me. Once a person has years, then he gets hit with the shagin in this category, because he just, not a shagig, he just is not garish the whole thing. And we all do this to some extent, because if you're from, you can't ignore it. You could just come to the conclusion that, well, I'm, I'm now 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, whatever the age is, and I've tried many, many times, and it's just not working. Here comes another Rosh Hashanah. I'm going to focus on something I'm good at. Now, there is a concept, and it's to work on your strengths also, but you can't get rid of a category. The Meshachachmat says in... Um, by nefesh the reason this happens is because people often work at things and then they look back at the project they're working on and it didn't work out according to plan. So we say, okay, it's a simon minashamayim that I should really focus my energies on something else. And sometimes that's true. Quite often, the Mishra Chachma says, he uses a nefesh hashasabacharim as an example. Abmavinu had the yeshiva running, a sorry menu for many, many years. Yisrochavinu continued the yeshiva. By the time they went down to Mitzrayim, the number was 70. And there should have been hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Where did everybody go? Where are all these nefesh that Torah keeps talking about? So the Zayar says that um, the Taka floated back into the woodwork, so to speak, and um, the ones that were affected, the, the future neshamas of all the Gerim in Klai Yisrael. Okay, so that, that's trying to answer the Avmavino Olozavay that went to waste. It says, no, it wasn't a waste. It had an effect, and the Shama's coming back. That's Alpi Nister. Alpi Nigla, the Meshachachma says, that the Taka went back and they were all Chazla Sivran, which is shocking. After all that work, he worked with somebody, he tried to be Meshpia, somebody he tried to be Makayr, somebody, uh, friends, neighbors, children, sometimes. And uh, you throw up your hands afterwards, it's after all this. So the Meshachachma says, no, the reason the Torah records this in the Pasuk is to show you that Abba Avinu was correct in what he did, and he accomplished a lot. Ah, three generations later, they went down to Mitzrayim, and no one seems to be around. It doesn't make a difference. For the time, they once asked the Briskarov, a mechanic who was very frustrated, was working with a particular bracha for a long time, and then the years later, it didn't seem to have any effect. And he said, the time you were working with him, he said another Kriya Shema. He learned the Blat Gemara. He did a mitzvah too. So by Shehu Sham, you accomplish something. It doesn't make a difference what happens at the end. We're here, we're here to do and not, not to necessarily accomplish. And this is an important thing to focus on. You try to take stock and the Yom Naran, Yom Rosh Hashanah, says, what did I work at and what did I accomplish? And then we, being very practical Americans, so we try to make the list of uh, cause and effect and this didn't really work out, and therefore it's not for me, and therefore this category is not for me, and therefore this avoid is not for me, and I'm not going off the derech, but I'll uh, focus on something where I see uh, instant gratification or I see immediate seatbook. That doesn't mean you shouldn't look for the things you're better at and work with the people you think you have a greater success, but the fact that there was success and there wasn't is not necessarily the measure of whether it was the correct thing to do. Similarly, there's a... Uh, is a benchmark of what we think are, uh, I told over the Mesa in Shul for the a couple of people who are still not coming at 8.45 in the morning. Uh, I know what time davening here is, uh, Shachris on Shabbos. What time do you daven? 
8.30. Okay, so you have one or two people still coming at 8.32, 8.33? Can it happen? Um, I guess so. So, uh, so I told over a maestro that I remember from uh, many decades ago where I was davening with, there was a, a fellow who uh, must have heard some stirring drusha and decided that's it. He's turning over a new leaf after 20, 30 years and he's coming on time. And he came taka to Shacharis at 8.45 and did he get it from his friends? It was one snide comment after another. The whole shock was the last time he ever came on time. So here we have a situation where a person's trying. He's not getting the support he needs, just getting a lot of sarcastic remarks. A friendly sarcastic remarks. Oh, look who, look who became from. Oh, what's the matter? You know, he got thrown out of the house. Well, all sorts of interesting uh, comments. Uh, instead of either the best thing is just to ignore it and uh, recognize with inspiration that's the new hymn, or being mechazagit, and um, people often give up because of the negative peer pressure. And quite often, before it even gets there, they give up because they have settled into this yish aspect. That's me, that people come on time, that people come late, that people in this are in this, and I'm not. And uh, this is the way it is. And we think it's beyond us already. Rabbi Hanan had a, had a chavusa in yeshiva. And one day he came, Rabbi Hanan and him had a five-hour seder from nine in the morning till uh, two. And he once came at 9.03. It happened once. No, it happened once. The second time he came, Abba just asked him, you have a watch? So he took out his, they didn't have watches then, he took out his uh, gold watch from his vest. That was the only thing of value they had. He said, yeah, I have a watch. Bechal didn't know what the question was. It was 9.03. What's the shadow? They have a watch. So he thought, maybe you want to know the time. So he said, here, Rebbe, here's the time. So he said, no, no, I, I know the time. It's three minutes late. So he, for Enford, he said, I had a, you know, Human condition, I was late. And he pointed out to him, he says, you know, in, in, the, uh, in the Tsar's army, they line up for roll call at 6 a.m. No one is ever late. Not one minute, not ten seconds. He says, why does anybody have to go to the bathroom? Why is anybody uh, getting another coffee? The answer is, uh, it's roll call. And if you know something has to get done, everything in life, it's a question of putting things on a pedestal and deciding that this is the Zman, and this is the Din, and this is not a Chumrah. Uh, we have a lot of confusion between what's a Hidda, what's a Chumrah, and uh, I'm often I'm dealing with Shailas, and sometimes people will uh, will ask in a, in, in a friendly way. Usually the people don't know me very well. They said, is that a, is that a Holodeus? Is that a Chumrah? Is that a, I said, I didn't, if I have a Chumrah, I'll let you know. Everything we say is make or a Din. No, no Chumrahs over here. And uh, davening is maker a din, and deep is maker a din, and asmada, believe it or not, is maker a din. And we think it's beyond us because we don't set a uh, we don't set a goal that's lofty enough according to our our real kaychus. Uh, you have uh, it was I think it was one of the British explorers uh, in the 1920s. They started trying to conquer Mount Everest, um, which is pure gaiva. Taratimima says in the Sanhedrin, yishpas. The Makara that Goyim can't keep a holiday, can't make a Shabbos from the souls over Sunday. So why can't, what's shot in that? They can't have a day off. Have Labor Day. Can't have an official day off. So according to the, have to be Shainim, Labor Day is in Isidaresa. Right, not for Jews, only for Goyim. For Jews, it's a day for learning. Uh, so what does it mean? You have a lot of Yishpas. So he explains in a positive way. He says the purpose of an Akum is to conquer the world and develop the world and develop science and they, having time off is not healthy. 
you can take a break once in a while, but it shouldn't be an official like Sunday every uh, once a week. Shop is a Sunday. So many of the time, to me, it explains it, but this seems to be shot in the Gemara. Love you, you is the sun, the moon, everything will go back in sync as it wasn't during the Mabel. But the Gemara learns out that a guy can't make a holiday, a Shabbos or Yanta for themselves, not just a religious holiday, because we're here to perform, and for them, time off uh, can get into trouble, and for Yidden, time off just means they have more time to learn, hopefully. So, um, you know, you got to wonder, you know, somebody goes into space. So, um, so at least over there, you can develop science. A lot of the technological breakthroughs that we have today are, were just originally created by NASA to, uh, to get into space. And then for the military, and then they got down to uh, the regular citizens. Uh, they didn't think there was anything to discover on Mount Everest. So why they, why they try? Over, over, I think, in the last uh, 60, 70 years, over 200 people died trying to get up there. And not too many people made it. They finally made it. When was it? In 53. He made it to the top. But they didn't expect to find any chidushim. Uh, so one of the early explorers, this is the famous, the journalist asked him, he was a British explorer in the 1920s, and they asked him, why do you want to do this? And he gave his famous answer, because it's there. That came, that was a real, that was a real statement. So what's shot? So shot is there's a, uh, this is not for them, it keeps them busy, it keeps them in shape. We're okay with it, but it shows you the, uh, the godless of a human being that can focus on something and not let go. We have to take the examples from what we see going on around us and use it for our rookness. It makes no sense. There's no reason to do it. He didn't have a good terrorist. That's why he said, because it's there. Because he couldn't even answer. We're looking for science and how things grow up at 29,000 feet. And they, 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 they weren't missing any information. And there were people that got to 27,000 feet and 28,000 feet. And there were people at that point, it was blizzard conditions and you know, 10 below zero. And most people died in the process, and then a couple of people made it. So where does that uh, Shifa, Hashem built that inborn in the human condition that we have to conquer and we have to show we did it. So all that is, uh, it's Gaiva really. To say, I was first, and I did it, and I climbed the mountain. has no tachlis. But that midah of Gaiva, that midah of looking to be able to show we can do it, is here for our ruchnias. There are many things that we feel are beyond us, which explains, you all know the din, that Sarah Sameh Chuvu, we try to be machmer and things are not machmer all year round. Pas Yisrael, maybe Chal Yisrael, and other chumras. So everybody asks, all the Balimusar asks, you're not going to follow through. It's not even your Havahavimina. After Yom Kippur, it's one guy says, by the, there's an Indian to have a suit after Yom Kippur, so he likes to have Muchlitz because that way he can have Hagendas. I said, why Hagendas? He says, I said, it's my truth. I'm not going to have Chal of Stam. So, uh, so I said, maybe you can wait till like Simchas Teresh, Miniat Teresh. So he knows. It's okay, nothing wrong. But if it's kosher, it's kosher. So why are we doing it? Who we can't fool God? So what are we doing during a Teresh and Chuva? So the Mechtam Elio says this and many others say a similar idea. In order to jar us into reality, you want to raise the bar and jump to a madrega, perhaps you're not on, to be able to show that you could do it, and to be ma'er, that midah of climbing mountains, so to speak, of being able to do something you think is a little bit beyond you, and you've been fooling yourself into thinking that we keep saying today, it's very popular, we're not in the madrega, we're not in the madrega, I'm a little nervous, because the more you say that, we keep pounding, we're not in the madrega, we're not in the madrega, so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, so we're not in the madrega for anything. So... If we do something as Esimichuva, which is really slightly beyond us, Mechtamelio says, and it jumpstarts our ruchni is to give us a taiva to wet our appetite to do great things and to climb further than we can climb, 
we thought we can climb, it'll, be, it'll become a self-fulfilling prophecy in the prophecy. Whether or not it, 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 it finds itself in Pasi Sroll and Mechal Sroll is almost irrelevant. It's the fact that it shows us that things that we think are a little beyond us are not really so beyond us, and it gives you an appetite to be able to grow. That's the purpose of these Chumad uh, Nizidurim during Yom Naram. Now, down this. It really lights up the uh, two different Gemaras. Gemar and Chulin, Dafei, teaches the Pasuk Adam Behemat Tishia Hashem. We say this very quickly at Mincha on Shabbos. And if you stop to think about it for a moment, which I'm sure you've had, uh, this Pasuk needs a teach, some shot. Adam Behemat Tishia Hashem. Hashem should save the people and the animals. We're not, uh, we don't belong to Peter. And we're not interested in saying them the same Pasuk as, uh, you know. Save, save people and save the animals. So, the Gemara Darshans, it's referring to people who are supposed to be like animals. This is, uh, you're going to hopefully repeat this to yourselves, to others, because this Avitzel is a very, uh, very big aside and why we're doing mitzvahs and what our attitude is supposed to be. Hashem gave us intelligence and we're supposed to use it. Sometimes we outsmart ourselves and we're so smart, again, we think we know everything, we don't take direction from others and we don't feel that other people have what to add. So, is you have to know that you're smart and despite your brilliance, you follow mitzvahs like a behemoth, meaning you avatli yadas, and you try to figure out what the Kosh Baruch Hu wants and leave yourself out of it. Which again is that exercise of Anivas versus Gaiva. And Ravitzler brings an example from the Gemara Kedushan. The Gemara Kedushan says that you don't want to do a Kenyan and Evid versus a Behemoth. A Kenyan Mashicha works on an Evid. You actually take the Evid, grab the Evid, and a Kenyan Mashicha works on the Behemoth also. If you call the Behemoth to you, you don't do Mashiach of the animals over there, and you call, and the animal comes, that's also a Kenyan, because the animal came because of you. If you call the Ev, and the Evid walks over, it doesn't work. Gemara says, why? Because an Evid, when you call it, makes a decision whether or not to come. It's still a bus of Adam. And he came because he wanted to come. When the cow comes, because his nature tells him, the master calls, you come by. He says, Adam Behemoth, Tashi Hashem, is even though the people are women Badas, they have to be doing the Dvar Hashem without too much of a decision-making process. It doesn't mean you put your brain in cold storage. It means you have to know what the avoid is and what the details are, but when it comes time to doing it, you have to be doing it without the Nagiyas. And he says, the Pshat and the Gemara, Baba Kama, the Gaim are not keeping the Zion Mitzvahs, so... Gemara says that Hashem was uh, mafkir them from the Zion mitzvahs. So Gemara says they don't get any schar. So Gemara says they get schar ke'enam etzuvah v'aisa. So what's pra? They weren't keeping it, but they have to keep it anyway. So those guys have to keep it, so they get schar ke'enam etzuvah v'aisa. So where does this pshara come in? So he says that we all know, Tesis says, why is a person who's metzuvah get more schar than any metzuvah v'aisa? Any metzuvah you volunteer, but you should get more schar. You volunteer in the goodness of your heart. The answer is that when a person is mitzvah, uh, automatically the Yitzhahara fights back and nobody likes to be told what to do. The same gaiva, the same human condition. And mamela, um, you have to struggle. Should you do it, should you not do it? 
If you're not mitzvah, say you have luxury, no one's telling you what to do, you want to volunteer, you're a kanaka, you don't want to volunteer, do something else, totally up to you. Which really means, at the end of the day, you're not really doing the Ratzon Hashem, if it fits into your schedule, and it fits into your netiyas, and your worldview, so then maybe you'll do it once in a while. You can't get that much schar with that. And the Goyim, by the fact that by and large they weren't doing it, Hashem said, even if you do it now, you're only doing it because it happens to fit in right now, not because you're really doing Ratzon Hashem. So you're not following Klosh Baruch Hu like a behemoth, you're following like a, an independent free agent, and you can do whatever you want, and once in a while it happens to coincide. <clears throat> Again, we don't have this problem to the same degree, but as thinking individuals, the smarter you are, makes it easier to learn and remember. The difficulty is is that uh, you become more of a baldover in the decision-making process, which is uh, can lead to problems, even though you can think things through. A uh, classic example of this is Chumash. When Rivki Menu had the nevuah from Shane Be'aver of what was going to be with Yaakov and Esav, so she found it very difficult. Obviously, the news was a little shattering. You're going to have one who's as an atiyah to be a Russia and one a tzaddik. But she understood from there that there are going to be some very unusual decisions to make. And we all know that when she called Yaakov Inu to come steal the brochus and lie his way through, this went against Yaakov Inu's grain, Tita Namaste Yaakov. And this is the first, uh, really in Fumish, the first indication of a need, when it's necessary, to put your seichel almost on ice. Yaakov Inu, everything he uh, trained for was against what he was about to do. But his mother was in Avia, and he understood the Shia, the Devar Hashem, and she told him, listen to me, and whatever happens is uh, I'm, I'm, I'm following good authority, and go in and do it. We're not very good at something like this because especially in an area that we uh, try to hone our skills and we try to train for it and then all of a sudden somebody tells us a psak that you're not supposed to do it and we have a thousand reasons why it's wrong to just go follow directions. It's not so easy. And that's the only time you know, people, we always like to believe we're always following Das Terah. If we agree we're not following Das Terah, we're agreeing with our own decision-making process. It's only the time where you happen to disagree and happen to not understand is where you're following Das Terah. It takes a very great person with tremendous anivas to move out to themselves to that. It was a fabulous Misa, which is not, uh, it's a story unto itself and a drush unto itself. And when when Shach was in Etisrael, uh, this is the early, before the war, he had just escaped in the beginning when Hitler was already in power and uh, came to Israel with nothing to eat and none of the shirt in his back. And the Masader, he was already a Rashiva in Europe. The Masader Yeshiva uh, in Tel Aviv. And he was there and he's being very Masrich with the Talmidim, as he always was. The Talmidim always drawn to him and he is sure more fabulous and and he was Matapa with them. And after he was there a short while he got the impression that certain people had tainas that he was there giving a Hashish temple because the Yeshiva, even though it didn't look like it now was headed in a direction which uh, he wouldn't approve of years later. But you couldn't really tell now. Araya, Shach was there, and Rizal Zalman, his uncle, told him he should take this job. And it started uh, bothering him that he didn't know whether he was in the right place. And mind you, there's no other shtella in the making, and he can't put food on the table. And somebody said, why don't you go see the Chaznish? You know about the Chaznish yet? Chaznish was in B'nai Brak already. And he went to the Chaznish, and the Chaznish told him uh, that he should leave immediately. Where am I going to go? 
Chaznish didn't offer. Just said leave, and uh, maybe you'll find a better place down the line. Maybe you won't. It's not any question. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't doing a menial job, and he told him he should go leave and go take a shtel in the yeshiva. He was in a place, and he was accomplishing. And Shach uh, Shach uh, himself tells us over. He said, uh, "Rabbi, should I just go home and mention to my wife? You know, we just got here, and you know, she's part of the equation. We have no food. We're just starting to be able to buy a, a table and chairs." So he said, "No, go." straight to the yeshiva and resign. Hafla <coughs> fell on this island like this. Obviously, and his wife, Rebetzin Gudel, was a very, very big tzaddikist. Chazmish understood that this type of decision either you make now or it's not going to be made because, um, and it didn't make a whole lot of sense on paper. And he um, he went straight to the yeshiva. They thought it was because he wasn't, the salary wasn't high enough and they doubled the salary. And he said, no, no, it's not the money. And after he left, the Tamidim came to him privately and he kept learning with them. There was no hard feelings. Not a question about Abbas's diary. And Oshach himself said, I didn't really fully understand or grasp what was going on. Chaznish saw something down the line that I shouldn't be associated. And he, uh, and he understood it. And I didn't understand it. He went back to Avisa Zalman. Avisa Zalman sort of told him, he says, you know, I, you had no panasa and this is not usr. I wasn't going to tell you, but now that you left, if your decision is made, I'm happy for you. But it was such a close call that Zama didn't want to say anything in the first place. So a lot of decisions that's from people that we make, we could be doing the right thing in life. Sometimes we could be doing something better. Sometimes there are things going on which you can't notice as you're in it and you're doing good things. And somebody from the outside pushes you to go to Shalonetza. Maybe this is not the best use of your time or your money. And part of Yom Naram for from B'nai Teira, everybody here, is to constantly reassess and reassess and reassess. Is this the best mahalach? Is this the best use of my time? I'm making good use of my time? Is this the best use of my time? Can my schedule even be better? Can my money be used for even better things? A discussion last night, the discussion only takes place like five times a week. Uh, Baruch Hashem, I always remind them that these shadows didn't come up in Europe. But people were asking a couple of Bali Stocker came to me and they said, you know, uh, it was after a long Sunday. You know, Muncie Sundays are very special days because you can have a lot of people coming to you for donations. And uh, a few people came to me after Meyerov, and they said, oh, what a day. I said, what happened? He said, it just, uh, there's so many tzrochim, it's unbelievable. So I said, well, it's a, I told them it's a three-hour discussion, but they wanted our regular lachas. How much should I be giving? Well, I'm going to answer that as I'm standing there after Olenu. I didn't even say Ludovic yet. So I said, uh, I assume it's Dover Pasha, this is the credit of so that you're giving uh, 20% as the Mechaber Paskins, the first Mechaber in Hochastaka, not very well known, I'm not sure why, but the sheer of Meiser is not Meiser, it's Chaimish, and the Medievit if you give Meiser, if you can afford it. So I said, assume you give Chaimish, they both rolled their eyes, and they said, Chaimish, is this Chaimish, and we're way past Chaimish. So I said, that's very nice. I, they said, well, Ad Kama. So I said, well, why don't you figure out what you need to live, and then... Now, you're all wondering, but the Gemara says he can't get more than the Chaimish. Shalom Zaman is a tshuva. I have a lot of coolers in this department. Shalom Zaman has a tshuva, and he says you can give uh, 40, 50, 60%. As long as a person who's an usher muflug, there's no chance he's going to become poor. He can give well over 20%. And it's not just an usher muflug. It's somebody who is quite comfortable and knows the finances and knows clearly he only needs uh, 50% for himself. He can give the other 50% away. And one of the two guys who stand there says, yeah, Ryan Leib told me that many years ago. I said, you've been doing it? He said, yes. Paisal is very impressive. He's not a Gavir Adir off the tribe, just the person who's giving. So I said, so what's the problem? He said, I had a very rough day. <laughs> so it, I tried to explain to them, I'll bring a lachas. I said, you know, 
you have to use what a Baruch gives you in the tools. I said sometimes I could be giving shear all day and answering Shailas at two in the morning, and then there's still another twelve messages. I can say to myself, I, I, I guess somebody else got to answer Shailas. And it says, but if you can help somebody, uh, then it's your achrayas. So that's true with your money. That's true with your brains. That's true with your whatever you're offering other people. It's very hard. We like putting caps and everything, everything in a neat package. It doesn't work that way. So again, Chazal put a neat package. They said, Chaimish. It's interesting. The Chachila shear is 20%. The Bidyevich shear is 20%. It's interesting. The low end and the high end is the same shear. So the answer is yes on paper. Then you gotta know. I, I'm well aware there's not no gay to most people. Halavai, we can afford to give 20%. But just a dogma that people in these are mavakshim and they're, they're good, they're great guys, not good guys. Uh, they just need a little chizik once in a while like everybody else. Whatever we're doing, whatever we're trying to focus on, we feel that if we're doing this category well, so I'm doing it so well, so why do I always feel guilty I'm not doing better? The answer is a little bit of Jewish guilt mixed with a lot of simchas achayim is not bad for anybody. It pushes us to go further and further and further. And whatever area you're in, you're doing chesed. And you, one of my favorite examples, um, and I think this is Pashat Mechumish, and if you've never noticed this, Eliezer came to find the shidduch. Pasuk is made. He comes with ten strapping young men. Six foot four, 190 pounds, trim, fit, muscles. And he comes to the bear, and this little girl of, I don't know, whatever age she was, she was a little girl. Uh, I don't know if you ever had the pleasure of drawing water from a well. I did it once by the Kevro Shmulanavi. Did you ever go in Eitz Yisrael? They have an old well there that still works. And they have some in Muncie. I still feel the aches and pains, and I was a teenager at the time. Just getting the water up once. I mean, you've got to really go down a whole pocket of water. So picture a little girl carrying two of these on her shoulders. And she comes, and um, there's a gentleman there she doesn't know, and he asks her, do me a favor, I just came from a trip. Uh, you have any water? She says, sure, take as much water as you want. The camels drink a lot. So she's running back and forth with pails of water, heavy pails of water, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And there's a guy standing there like this, and ten men standing here like this, watching her. I don't even picture the scene. Eleven strapping young men, they're all saying they were hands folded, just watching go back and forth. What was, um, what was she thinking? I once said this over and somebody said, oh, we're, she wasn't thinking anything. I said, if you think she wasn't thinking anything, you're shortchanging the most. But what was she thinking? It's bizarre, this whole scene. She's running back and forth and back and forth. There's a din of Tina Prika. If that guy doesn't help you, you're putter. Here, she's, mom is getting crushed under the load, going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and, uh, they're not lifting a finger. Not even an offer. So what was she thinking? It's a very important kasha. I think she noticed. And she registered in her mind for a moment. He says, you know, this is odd. Uh, they can carry this with their, with their pinky, and I'm, uh, I'm melting under the load, and, um, I'm working here for hours and hours, filling up for the camels, and they're not, they're not budging. And what she think after she after that crossed her mind? She said, you know, it's a good kasha. But if I start to ask them, I might insult them. And this is my opportunity to do chesed. And if you do chesed and you start asking shaylas, every time you do chesed, you never end up doing the chesed. Because there's always good kashas. Why are you coming to me? Do you really need the money? Do you really need this help and that help? And by the time you finish the whole litany of questions, you're basically going to say, nah, it's not a worthy cause. So her godless, this got her into Klai's home. This is what Eliezer was looking for. Her godless was... Chesed without Cheshbenis. 
Otherwise, it can't be explained. It didn't make any sense. And if somebody's standing on the side, they would say, chutzpah. You men, what are you good for nothing to stand there? Why don't you unfold your hands and go, go help, to help the girl? They didn't help because Eliezer told them not to move. Same reason he didn't move. He wanted to see this chesed and then this chesed where the Adam behemoth, the Shia Hashem, is that the chesed almost didn't make sense. It's an incredible idea, and I've received many questions over the years on this idea. I said, wow, they, they take advantage of you, they step all over you. I said, yeah, there are people who spend their whole life being on guard that they shouldn't step on me, but they don't end up really doing anything for anybody. These are always nervous that maybe they're going to take advantage. So I said, if you're going you're to make a mistake in one direction or another, if you're going to err on one side, err on the side of, so they stepped on you a little bit, but at least you did more. And again, that takes a certain amount of anivas and a certain amount of just not thinking it through as much as you'd like to because you got to jump in and just do the chesed and write the check. And that's basically, I didn't tell him over the whole muscle last night, but I said, it's a very hard avoda. I told him, I don't know, of writing big checks all day again and again and again. And they're coming to you and it's never enough. And they're asking again and they're asking again. So you have to know the desperate situation where they're coming from. Ashrecha, the year on the giving side. And it's difficult. But that doesn't mean it's potter. It just means you get more schar. And we, again, like to be organized. And I, I told them, I said, it's not against being organized. You have a cheshpen, you have a budget? And they both said, yeah, we're, we're way over. I said, is there any sakana that you're not paying the bills now? So they smiled, because that was a sarcastic uh, question. Uh, they said, yeah, but what about how much should we leave for investments and for our kids? I said, uh, there's no chiyuv daraisa to um, leave all your children, each one independently wealthy, even though people think there is. And Chayecha Kedman is not only for somebody with millions and millions of dollars. This is Tama Cheshman. What do you say Chayecha Kedman over here? On the other hand, there is a parish of Yerusha, which they asked me. I said, the parish of Yerusha is if there's money, which is usually the case. The question is, how much and how much do you do for yourself? And this is true in money. This is true in time. So, there are a lot of shaylas here that I'm raising. I'm not going to offer any answers, but it's a very individual thing. Is that you've got to take stock as long as there's, a, there's an accounting season which this is the accounting season for Ruchniyas. It happens to coincide with corporate accounting. One accountant complained to me. He says, Yamna Ram, it falls out. And I'm, I'm very busy at the office. I said, yeah, that's they tell me Pesach time with the private returns, with the individual returns. I, no season's going to be free. At least Slichas uh, came out Labor Day weekend, so you can focus a little bit. But for from people, it's not a question of no one's doing blatant averas and no one's ignoring mitzvahs. It's a question of reexamining where you're at, and are you really raising the bar as far as you can? What pushes us to make decisions? So um, that's part of our title. So a lot of it is our own perceived gaiva that we could figure things out ourselves, which we spoke about. And of course, the second biggest variable, if not the first, is the peer pressure. A negative or positive. What are people going to think of us? What are other people doing? Is a very interesting. I'll uh, I'll quote it. Uh, some of it inside. Somebody sent this to me a, a while back. It was of course written by a yid. He's not yet from, but we're working on it. He's a very uh, famous author. His name is Dan Ariely. Anybody ever hear him? He's um, an Israeli who um, has been through a lot in his life. He was. Uh, he was in the army at Israel, and he had got severe burns in, a, in an accident involving a, uh, a well, shouldn't shouldn't have happened, but Hashem was good that it did. And he was in the hospital for for years recovering, and he writes himself in the Agdama that he had a lot of time to think. 
So often that makes people from. He didn't get there yet, but he certainly is on the way based on the way he's dissecting life and how people operate. And uh, his, his books are, um, are well-known throughout. Uh, he's now a professor here in the States, and he has a very interesting uh, way of bringing things out. You see the Pintula Yid over here and the Neshama that um, is almost crying out. He did one very interesting study, which I think tightens up what we have to uh, understand about ourselves and what to watch out for. He entitles it The Truth About Relativity. He says, uh, he's trying to explain why everything is relative even though it shouldn't be. And this is uh, very basic for Yiddishkeit, even though he's not talking about Judaism at all. He says he once um, came across, he said he was uh, surfing online, which is not a Heksher sample to be doing that in our circles. If you are, make sure you have your filter and your accountability program. <laughs> he's mentioned that disclaimer. Um, he said he came across a, uh, an ad for The Economist. Economist is a business magazine published in England. And um, he said they had three choices. So welcome to The Economist Description Center. Choice number one, listen carefully, is uh, the online subscription, economist.com, for $59 a year. Okay. Then the second choice is the print subscription for $125. And then choice number three was the print and the web subscription for $125. This guy's very smart. He's a professor, I think, at MIT now. So he says himself, he looked up and looked back down. He thought he read something wrong. And uh, he thought maybe it was a typo. But, you know, Economist is a pretty sophisticated publication. And I'll be read to you with Lushen here. He said, the print-only option might have been a typo, but I suspect that the clever people of the Economist London office were actually manipulating me. I'm pretty certain they wanted me to skip the Internet-only option, which they assumed would be my choice because of reading the advertisement on the web and jump to the more expensive option, internet and print. They want to make more money here. So somebody's on the web, of course they're going to order the internet. So how do they get them to order the uh, print? So how can they manipulate me? They knew something important about human behavior. Humans rarely choose things in absolute terms. That's if you're not from. We don't have, Nebuch, those who are not from, or not Jewish, they don't have an internal value meter that tells us how much things are worth. Rather, we focus on the relative advantage of one thing over the other and estimate the value accordingly. He says, for instance, I don't know how much a six-cylinder car is worth, but I know it's worth more than a four-cylinder model. Still doesn't tell him much, but at least he has a basis of comparison. In the case of The Economist, I might not have known whether the Internet subscription of $59 is a better deal than the print only at 125 but I certainly knew that the print and Internet for 125 was a better deal than the print only at 125 Brilliant marketing. Uh, genius. I wonder if everybody uh, duplicated this. In fact, you can reasonably deduce that the combination package, the internet subscription, is free. So, what conclusion did he have from here? He says, they figured out that most people don't know exactly what they want in life at all unless they have a basis of comparison or see it in the context of something. He gives an example. People don't even know what type of bike they want to buy unless they see some um, champ in a 
Tour de France, that must be a famous, uh, uh, ratcheting the gears in a particular model. He says, oh, now I see the model. That's what I want. This is the whole billion dollar, trillion dollar advertising industry is based on this. So we, we sell people things they don't need. And if they do need it, they have no clue what they need. So if they see somebody else has it, then they want it. Everything is relative, and that's the point. Like an airplane pilot landing in the dark, you want runway lights on either side of us guiding us to the place we can touch down our wheels. And he has a whole, whole chapter on this uh, theme, which he thinks is very odd. Why can't humans just uh, make up their mind based on the merits of it, where they have to be compared to everything else? The answer, our answer, is that um, this is a base human condition, and the gift of Teirah Messinai and Ashokhan Aruch and the process in which we figure out halacha and ashkafa is that we don't have to look at what everybody else is doing. It helps to be in the right crowd and to have positive reinforcement, the positive peer pressure. But we in America are very uh, subservient to this entire culture that uh, we're looking around and we're seeing, you know, are they doing this, are they not doing it, whether it be in Gashmias, whether it be in Ruchnias, not realizing that uh, everybody has their own personal avayda and people are able to do things that other people can't do and the fact that you feel you have the initiative shouldn't be held back by the fact that, well, look around, nobody else is doing it. And that's difficult because uh, nobody likes to stick out. I had uh, somebody else recently tell me, they sit next to a guy in shul and... Um, uh, staring at the a little bit. I said, what's the problem? He says, the guy's davening out loud. I said, he's right. I said, why is he right? He says, well, the fact that nobody else davens out loud, this is an Ashkenazic thing. Sephardim are much better at this. They say every word, word for word, from Midani, and you can actually know the words and understand the words. And it's a, it almost became a cultural thing. This guy happens not to be a Sephardi. But he's 100% right. He, he said, well, nobody else is doing it. I said, that's his godless that maybe instead of complaining about the fact he wasn't screaming, yelling, he said, I didn't even notice it. I said, you, you're claiming he's giving us? No, it's just that the, every time he starts a capital, he st- says it out loud, and he finishes, tilas Hashem. I said, that's gewaldic. He said, yeah, but I, I don't see anybody else doing it. I said, that's, uh, that's a godless that he doesn't really care. He wants to be able to grow in his uh, kavana. I said, the only place that's connected to din is if you're screaming the malishman esrei, the shtilishman esrei. Otherwise, uh, if we had 10 people like this, it would be a different davening. So why is it that um, in camp, from ages 8, 9, till around 13, 14, every kid is screaming, Yeheshmei Rabbah, especially during color work? Why is that? The answer is, uh, everybody's doing it, and it's color war, and uh, the red team is going to win, and uh, we're going to show them, and then that's it. So we, uh, we grow older and then we say, okay, uh, let's look around and see uh, who's doing this, who's not. And it's pretty scary because the people who want to be a little different already uh, feel strange. Instead of taking the attitude, you know what, if I uh, yell out the may rap a little bit louder, maybe I'll get a couple of people to start doing it. Even though it doesn't seem to be the minic. And he just resigns. His maskana, because he's not from yet, is that uh, this is the way it is, and um, if you want to succeed, you got to blend in with the crowd. The difficult part of this is we look at success and failure in the physical world, and it's very hard to figure out, well, he's doing this, and he's a normal guy, or he's not doing this, and he seems to be matzliach. In America, we usually measure hatzlacha with either finance or fame or 
popularity and things like that. And it's an Alma de Shikra and Tfilis Chana, the uh, most telling line, I think, is Ain Sur Kelokenu. Chazal Darshan, Ain Sur Kelokenu is Ain Sayar. There's no artist like Akash Baruchu. Akash Baruchu dresses everything up, so it looks like uh, this is Haslacha and this is failure, and often is not only incorrect, but sometimes it's the exact opposite. And it's very hard to see through that because it looks like he's being Matzliach and therefore we want to be like him. And true Atzlacha is only based on measuring our capabilities against what we can do, not against what he can do. There's a... Um, short of time. So let's get to one more theme in this regard. Hatzlacha and lack thereof, and what it looks like. Did you ever wonder why it's clear in all the Gemaras and all the Chazals that Mashiach ben David has to be Davka from David? It's not from Meshach Rabbeinu, not from the Yetzirah Lotz of any other Tzadik Yisrael Elam. What's the godless of David Amelech that got him this Shoshalos Amalucha and got him the ability to be guaranteed that his Yetzirah Lotz will be the Melech Mashiach? So I think the answer is as follows. If you have a just a short understanding of David Amalek's life, a lot of this you probably know. But to bring it out in its, um, its almost peladic and the suffering that he had from day one, you're all aware that David Amalek was born, so they thought he was a mamzer, all Medjus and they basically, the children wanted, the brothers wanted to kill him, and Yishai said, don't to kill him, just put him out to pasture literally and figuratively, and we'll... She treat him like a stepson, and um, he'll be out in the back, and maybe he'll get killed by one of the lions that come along, which he thought almost was killed. And uh, he'll serve everybody and let him live. Spent 28 years of his life. So all the formative years is what makes an impression on the personality of a person. 28 years. He was ignored, belittled, oppressed in a way. They didn't torture him. It's still Yishai's family, but uh, psychologically... We'd say, somebody who comes out of this, if they come out alive, they're going to be damaged goods for life. And usually a person like this who ends up taking power, which he will, it's a mediocre person would take Nakama on all the people who pressed him the whole time, whether they're immediate family or not. And if they're on a higher Madrega, they won't take Nakama, but they won't be this compassionate Isha Chesed that we know is Davin Amelech. And David Amel is godless after being mistreated for 28 years, and to the extent that you all know, when Shmuel Navi came to privately, secretly, to anoint the next king, Aliyev walked in, he thought it was Aliyev, Ach Neged Meshichai, and Hashem said, yeah, he looks every inch a leader, and if Shmuel Navi thought he was, he was very capable at running the country. And he was come out perfect. Hashem said, there's one little pagam which Rashi brings down, he, he got angry, which the Mepharshim say it didn't even happen yet. Going to happen later when Dovinol comes to the battle with Goliath, they were on the front lines, and he came just to check on them. And he said, What are you doing here? Would you leave the sheep? So he was possible for the Malucha because he's going to get angry. That means he never got angry yet. It happened once in his life. But he had that Midah. And therefore, he's already possible. And they went down all the brothers, and each one was Gavaldic, and each one had a tiny psal until they got to David, who had no psal, which means, the Bali Musa point this out, and this is, this is the biggest pella. Not only did David not take the comma, not only did he come out and ish Muslim and ish chesed and ish stucker and used all his midah varzarius represented by his red hair and Esau to kill the Rishon, 
he didn't even have a, internally a bone in his body that had tainas on anybody for what they did. Because if he did, he would have been rejected like Aliyah, because Aliyah only was rejected because he had this midah which would resurface later once in one remark in his life. David didn't even have that. He put that together with what happened after he was finally anointed. So picture David Amalekh is uh, sitting in the nice grass by a stream, a beautiful day like this, it's 68 degrees and sunny and the sheep are eating and he's writing to Hillam and he's learning uh, life couldn't be better. And all of a sudden, one day, out of nowhere, he's called back to the house. The Navi Adar is here. Come here. He wants to speak to you. We don't know what it's about. He walks in, and everybody stands up, and he gets Mashiach, and then Shmuel and Navi goes home. And from that day on, David Amela couldn't sleep for two hours in the same place. They were trying to kill him. And Shaul stayed after him. This went on for, for years. Imamish was afraid for his life. So life was so beautiful, so tranquil, so complete. Nothing was wrong. And then all of a sudden, gets anointed to be king. We'd say, Gavaldik, any normal person, quote unquote, would have gone back to Shmulanavi and said, I don't know exactly why I deserve this, but please take it back. It's not for me. And David Amal didn't do that. He understood whatever caused this, I should be mature of Bedaiti, I should be running from place to place, people should trying to kill me. If you look at the Navi, Shaul almost closed on, in on him quite a number of times. It was, it was this close. And this is after Hashem promised him the Melucha, and he was anointed already. So now I should have the problem? And David Mal didn't have any tines. He didn't have any tines on people. He didn't have any tines on Kosh Baruch both of which are Achidish Nifla, especially the people part. And went through life just giving, giving, giving to others, even though he received none of that in his formative years. There are many people who go through life and they, they think that uh, it's Magia Lahem, especially the way they suffered from others. I deal, when I deal with Dinei Teira, the people, besides the Chesha Mishma part of it, the, understandably, the animosity and the anger between the bosses and the employees and the partners, how can they do this to me? And they, they carry with that baggage, okay? It goes with them the rest of their life. And their interaction with anybody else, I'm often asked, uh, when I tell people to calm down and to be a little more trusting, they say, Rebbe, don't you know the Gemara? Chabdeo v'chadsheo. Everybody knows that Gemara. Chabdeo v'chadsheo. So I say, yeah, I think the first word is Chabdeo, and then there's also the Chiddush is Chadsheo. And then some people go through life, it's chacheo, 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 chacheo. And then uh, I said, where's the chabdeo fit in? He says, yeah, you have to know people. He says, you get burned twice or three times, you learn your lesson. And the rest of your life is, everybody is a potential enemy and everybody is out to get you. And the truth is, I live in this world, and the truth is many people have asked me, he says, isn't it true that, um, they ask me, he says, you see a lot of fights, which I do. Says, isn't it true that everybody is out to get everybody else? I said, it's, it might be true. It's a horrible way to live. Is there enough good people? Maybe it's a minority. I think believe everybody deep down is good. But maybe, but they're there. And again, if you're going to err in one direction or another, err in the direction of giving a guy the benefit of the doubt, trying to get along with people. If you got burnt and you survived, you might get burnt again. I'd still rather go through life some people call it delusional, but it's not. Hashem asks us to still, whatever happens in life, to be down the katzchus, and still try to be mekayim haftuvech and still try to be happy. And that people, as they grow older, and they get burnt by this and burnt by that, and they have tainas on people and tainas on kodesh baruch and you can't possibly operate 
And you certainly can't provide leadership if you walk around with all this baggage. I believe David excelled in this. Not that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have his issues with Tosnav Avriam and Kairach and all the others, but David Amalekh excelled in this area, this Bitochan, this Amunah, and this Yishuva Das, that even though he spent most of his life in the doghouse, he ended up not only coming to his own, but he was able to provide leadership without any of this baggage. And because of that, he was able to have the, the ultimate leadership. The Ramam says in, in the uh, Parish of Mishnayis, he talks about Yud Gimel Yikarm. He says a basic of the, this particular Iker of uh, Biasa Mashiach is Yachak HaLashayavon, you have to be a Maimon, he will come. And he says a person is missing any detail from this Iker, he's an Apikiris. And he adds, the Ramam adds two details. One is it has to be Dafka from David Melech. And he says, not Stam David Melech, has to be David Melech through Shlomo. So why is that? Why does it have to be David Melech and why does it have to be through Shlomo? Why through Shlomo? Shlomo is the one which happens to be, it was through Shlomo, but why? Why is that an Iker? I believe the answer is that um, Shlomo Melech was the result. If you had a list, a short list of, you had hundreds of children. Who's going to be the now next crown prince? Who's going to be the next king? I think Shlomo Melech on the list would be 106, if that high. It, politically, it was the worst pick you can make because the taina that he had, the reason he almost lost the throne is because of the Maisa Basheva, and Shlomo Melech was a result of that union. So talk about anything else. Don't talk about anything that's going to remind anybody of Basheva. He promised Basheva, but it wasn't just David Melech. Hashem ratified that promise, and Hashem said Shlomo's going to be the next king. So... We have to answer up in just a Navi. Why would Shlomo be picked? Yeah, Haley Gunnar Shlomo, okay, but he had other sons also who were very from. Why Shlomo Melch? And why is it an Iker that we have to know the Melch Mashiach is coming from David and from Shlomo? I think the answer is, is that the second aspect of this godless of David and Melch, not only didn't he let his childhood get to him and the persecution and everything that happened after he was selected to lead Kalei Yisrael, even after he made a mistake in life, he was able to pick himself up and go weiter. And even when he was thrown off the throne by Avshalom, he says in the Pesach, if Hashem, I don't know what the plan is, if Hashem wants me back, I'm going to fight to come back. And if he doesn't want me back, I'd be happy to go learn the best Medrash. But he understood that when he came back, he's now king again. And the fact that Shlomo came from this union, the first child died. Now as a second child, that means Hashem brought me back and there's nothing to be embarrassed about. You pick yourself up and you go weiter. And Shlomo represents that tikkun. And therefore the Melech Mashiach has to dafka come, not only from David, but through Shlomo, to show that even if you're David, and even if you made a mistake which caused a lot of problems, you can get back on the horse and you can go further in life. And if a leader doesn't understand that, he's not going to make a good Melech, and he's certainly not going to be the Melech Mashiach. Because it has to be that type of leadership. And leadership could be... could be a... Rosh Kehillah could be a rub, but it can be everybody because it's your family and it's your spouse and it's your friends and whoever you're trying to make an impression on. And many people get broken in the process by things that are done to them and things that they witness and things that they went through and Averis that they have, and it's a tricky thing. You've got to do tshuva, you got to say the al-chait, but you also can't fall into that trap of saying, well, once I did it, it's messed up for life. No, Shlomo Melech was a result, and he was chosen because David Melech was able to get past it. So some of the things to um, to think about. One um, last idea about Davin Melech, and we'll uh, leave it with this. You'll notice in this Rashkenaz, Zikr Zimba starts with Mizna Shiach Hanukkah Tabayis Yedavid. This Friday also starts just as a preamble, but it's really the beginning of Zikr uh, Zimra. Uh, if you've read the capital, 
It's a beautiful song of praise. It talks about he saved from his enemies. Hashem keeps saving him and saving him. The top line is It doesn't say a word about Binyan Amikdash. So the question number one is why not? What happened to the theme? The title is usually the theme. It's like, well, why are we starting off davening with this? The answer, I believe, is as follows, and it's the same theme. David Amal spent his entire life preparing for Binyan Ben Samitish. He was supposed to be the Mashiach. The Ramam says there are three mitzvahs to do when you get to Yisrael. You have to wipe out Amalek, you have to appoint a king, wipe out Amalek, and then build the Ben Samitish. And David Amal, yeah, then he came to Nasan Navi and he said, I want to build Nasan Navi. He says, Great idea. Then Hashem said, It's a great idea, but quickly in the middle of the night, go back and tell him he can't. Various explanations. He's an Ish Muhammad. All the Muhammads were fought in the Shemayim. You need Shalom. It has to be Shlomo Melech. Whatever the explanation is, David Melech spent his whole life. Every battle he set aside the supplies, never touched the money. His whole Shifa Sachayim was to build the base of Mikdash. After decades of fighting, brutal fighting, internally, externally. But he is finally ready to build it. And Hashem comes back with a no without much of an explanation. Again, anybody else would have been so crushed. On a, on a good day, a good reaction would be, okay, you know what, I don't have to be king anymore, I'm going to the best Medrash, I have what to do. Not for me. And Davon Amal said, okay, don't fully understand it, there's a little Masa Matan in the Medrash. Some say he couldn't build it, he was too great, Hashem wouldn't be able to destroy it. Whatever the Pshad is, it was a crushing blow. He spent your whole life working on something, and the answer is no. And I believe that's why we start off in davening. We're going to have a whole davening of bakashas and things we want and things we want to do and things we think we should be doing. So the lead-off is, Miz Mashir Chanukah Sabayis L'David. Hashem's answer was no. The primary focus was building the space of Mitish and David Amal starts off. And then he says, you know what? Hashem saved me from everything else. He put me here. Obviously, I still have other things to do. Hashem saved me time and time again, despite my very awkward and disadvantaged beginning. And this is the theme of davening, is that we can ask whatever you want in Yom Naran. Go and ask for the world. If we're Zeicha, Hashem won't give it to us if it's not good for us. And if we're Zeicha, we will get it. But understand, if the answer is no, there's still plenty to do. And you have to follow the lead of Akash Baruch Hu. He puts you in the right place, the right people, the right time. We have to accomplish whatever we can accomplish. See the Sima Teva, good to be here.